people, my public, my friends, and welcome to another edition of Coyote Calls with Mike Chapak. That's me. I'm your host. We're going to be covering today the game two of the playoff series against the Colorado Avalanche. And what a difference it was. Same result, but uh, much, much better game. In fact, if you had a chance to listen to my podcast yesterday covering game one, you will maybe recognize that pretty much everything that was pointed out in the game one podcast as a negative was um, not just approached, but pretty much fixed on the part of the Arizona Coyotes. Very nice effort from the very drop of the puck to start the game all the way through to the end. Very strong effort on the part of the Coyotes. And, you know, it's kind of sad when you lose a game like this on a weird, freaky bounce, but that's the way it goes. For many years, I have said that good teams uh, get good bounces. It just seems like when you're the better team out there, you're uh, creating more situations where the puck is finding its way onto your stick. And uh, great teams find a way of using those bounces to their advantage, turning them into goal-scoring opportunities, if not goals themselves. And we saw that's what happened in Game 2. And it's, it's sad because, you know, I thought the officiating for the most part was much better than the first game. Definitely the effort on the part of the Coyotes was much better. Goal tending once again was solid. And if you really think about it, it comes down to a couple of hit posts, a couple of bad bounces that go against you, a couple of uh, good posts, a couple of uh, good bounces that go uh, the other way. So let's break it down a little bit here and uh, take a look at the individual play of some of the guys. Once again, we saw uh, in this series, different from the series against Nashville, the guys that are supposed to be doing stuff uh, aren't really doing much. I mean, Clayton Keller had a great game, and it warms my heart to be able to say that because, as all of you know, I'm underwhelmed by Clayton Keller and uh, was hoping that this playoff um, season, I'm going to count Nashville as part of the playoff season, was going to convince me that he's somebody to stick with. And so far, I'd say that's true. Um, I believe he's tied for goals in uh, this postseason. And the, the sad thing is that the guy he's tied with is Michael Grabner. Now, it's a great thing if you're a Grabner fan, as I am, once again, we saw him make a spectacular play, score a beautiful goal in game two. Uh, but this is not the guy that you're looking to to lead the team in goals. So uh, once again, I saw a couple of bonehead moves by Kessel, giving up the puck, uh, coming out of the defensive zone, led to a goal against. I see 
why people are excited by the ability of Taylor Hall, but I, I don't see him finishing plays. I see him dipsy doodle around and spin back out the other way, get get all of his right players out on the ice, head up and only to have the puck knocked off his stick. Now look, don't get me wrong, excitement is fun. You like to have those dynamic guys, but if you look at the difference between the top guys on the Colorado Avalanche and the top guys on the Arizona Coyotes, you kind of get an idea of what I mean. You get the number one or two guys on the Avalanche, you get them the puck, they dipsy-doodle around, and they shoot and they score. They don't lose the puck, not just the puck, but possession of the puck, and now all of a sudden you're back checking, heading back the other way into your own defensive zone. So something something needs to change. It, I thought Stepan had a very strong game. I thought for a change we started to see the old Connor Garland, and so I'm glad he's kind of getting his legs under him, and I'm hoping it's not too little too late. But he, he had, I thought, a very, very strong game. I'm really enjoying the game that Osterley is playing right now. I thought he had a good game. I started to get excited about Chikrin's game, and then he kind of made a bonehead play that led to a goal as well. So a lot of the things that needed to be cleaned up, though, we really did clean up. So let's, let's talk about some of the positives here, since there were quite a few. Number one, forecheck. So much better. If you listened to my Game 1 podcast, I was talking about how uh, once we were getting the puck into the offensive zone in game one, there was one guy, one coyote going in and forechecking, trying to get some kind of uh, pressure on the defense. And that's just not going to work, especially against a talented team like the Avalanche, but really not, not against any NHL team. But in game two, you saw two, sometimes three coyotes on the forecheck causing disruption, making uh, Colorado players give up the puck too soon and errantly. And that's the Coyotes' game, is to dump the puck in, get two or three guys on it, get possession, and then kind of fan out and start moving the puck around. Much, much better job. Physicality, something else I talked about, so much better. You know, I mean, we're still getting a bit beat up, but at least it's a pretty even fight these days. Uh, not getting run over constantly by a team that knows they're superior. I think after today's game, there's a little bit of doubt. This is the, the, the way the game played out today is how I think most of us that have been following the Coyotes really expected this series to be close games. And I mean, everything was close. Face-offs were close. Uh, uh, shots on goal were close. Uh, everything was close. Penalty time, close. So, And this is what you want to do. You want to be able to hang in this game and then get that opportune goal. Now, like I said a few minutes ago, the bounce went the other way. But come on, you know, pick your heads up. That bounce off of a skate that goes right onto the stick of a wide-open Colorado Avalanche. I mean, that could have gone the other way. Where was the defense? 
Well, you know, that's something maybe for another time to discuss. Somebody should have been picking him up. I believe there was a line change going on for Colorado. And so there's, you know, one guy, one Colorado guy in the offensive zone. You want to get on him and get the puck away from him because he's just he's just shagging the puck around waiting for the completion of the line change. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what it looked like to me anyway is that, you know, the Coyotes that were on the ice kind of converged on the one avalanche player to try and disrupt any kind of possession. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, it was a it was a nothing play. He, he was dumping it towards the net and it went off of the skate and right onto that uh, player fresh on the ice. So um, the other thing that I spoke about after game one that was much better, and it's kind of funny how this game played out. I went on and on after game two. I'm sorry, after game one, I went on and on about you got to give your goaltender a little break. You got to get a game under your belt where he's not facing 40 shots. And I specifically said under 30. Get a game where you got 28, 29 goals against, and boom, there it is. So you give your goalie a chance to kind of not only uh, get a break during the game because he's not constantly facing rubber, but but also just you know gives him a little bit of a rest from game to game to be able to not constantly be nursing lots of bruises. So uh, good job there as well. We were getting pucks to the net instead of having a lot of bad shots blocked. And we saw what the result of that was. You create goal scoring opportunities by putting rubber on the goalie. You don't have to score sweet shots like uh, we see sometimes out of uh, Grabner this postseason. They don't all have to be that way. They can be goals like the uh, series clincher by Richardson, where you know a puck bounces off of him, bounces off the goalie, right back out onto your stick. Bam, there it is. So, you know, getting shots through the defense, hitting the goalie. This is how you score goals in the NHL. Yeah, it's fun, and you're going to have every once in a while those pretty toe drag, Connor Garland goals, but. For the most part, and especially the way the Coyotes are built, they're going to be greasy goals. They're going to be dirty goals. They're going to be scrums uh, in the paint with somebody poking a goal home. <laughs> Speaking of poking one home, um, you know, I did like Keller's game. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but uh, he didn't score that goal uh, if it wasn't for the Avalanche defense pushing it into the net for him. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I say, putting those shots on goal, good things happen. He did that. Nice shot, nice play, and good things happen. So that was another area that I said after game one needed to be addressed. So looking at it, we had great energy from the puck, from the puck drop. We were using our bodies. We had much better physicality. We were forechecking much better, two, three players on the puck. Uh, we were uh, getting pucks through the defense and making good things happen afterwards. So all in all, we walk away from this game and quick, quick turnaround tomorrow for game three, which is going to be a real test for the fortitude of this club. Um, you know, they say it's always nice to be nominated. 
Uh, it's the losers who say that. And so we actually want to make a little bit of noise here in the next couple of games. We want to go ahead and clean some, a uh, few more things up, and let's go ahead and bring it yet again so that we're not going down 3-0 after tomorrow's game. I'm going to take a quick break and come right back for a short segment. If you are looking for an exciting, non-stop, non-contact sport, utilizing many of the strategies of hockey, you have got to try out the new sport of Sabaki Ball. You can get more information about Sabaki Ball at S-A-B-A-K-I-Ball.com. That's SabakiBall.com. Just a quick finishing segment here. If you can't tell, I'm losing my voice here a little bit. And uh, this was kind of a not just a quick turnaround for the Coyotes playing again tomorrow, but it was a quick turnaround for me. Normally, I like to take 24 hours to digest a game and uh, get my thoughts in order. But because we have a game tomorrow morning, I felt like I needed to get on the horn and and uh, air my thoughts. Uh, so I apologize if things are kind of scattered here. I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, touch a little bit more on the lack of production from the guys that we're really looking for to step up. And uh, obviously I'm talking about uh, guys like Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall, and uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, um, and I'm going to throw into that mix Jacob Chikrin. Um, you know, this is a young man that, albeit he's young, he's somebody that we have looked at in the past to create offense. I thought he played a much, much better game. Uh, his feet were moving. And this is something that I've spoken about before. And if you go back and you – I know maybe you don't like to do this, but I do. I like to actually go back and watch games over again. And – because I'm not involved in the heat of the moment, you know, watching as a fan, but watching more analytically, you can look at things like how your feet are moving. So game one, if you go back and you look at, just pick maybe 10 minutes out of the game, go back and watch and see how there's a lot of gliding going on, a lot of slow skating, um, not a lot of quick transitions back and forth up the ice. Game two, completely different. Everybody was skating. Everybody was skating hard. And that's where you start to see the difference in not just in the flow of the game, which, you know, by the way, that was one of the quickest first periods I maybe have ever seen in uh, hockey. I mean, I think puck drop was about 10 after the hour and 24 minutes later it seemed like i think when i looked at the clock it was 44 after the hour so i mean there was like no stop in play through that first period well why do i bring that up what does that mean it means that people's feet are moving both teams it means that passes are crisp there's not a lot of offside calls not a lot of icing calls there's puck possession there's hard skating and you know this is what we want to see this is playoff hockey but going back to my point 
we really need to start to see the top guys. Uh, you know, I don't want to keep picking on the same people. Um, so uh, where is uh, Christian Dvorak? I mean, this is somebody that I was really hoping to see. I mean, a great opportunity for this young man to shine. Speed, you know, just a missile for a shot. And, you know, what, what instead we're relying on the old guys, you know, the not just veterans, but the second line, third line, maybe even go out there and say fourth line veterans that we're looking at to create offense. And that's just not going to fly. You're not going to be able to do that. So three goals for the Coyotes, that's great. I mean, that's what you're looking for. But where is that production coming from? When you get a couple of third line fourth line goals scored for your team you know and i'm gonna uh, let's pick on him a little bit because he is my boy but you know connor garland's got to put the puck in the net he had a good game i thought he had a very strong second game but he's got to be able to bury a couple of those goals taylor hall's got to be able to bury some of those shots uh you know, Phil Kessel's got to be able to bury some of those shots. Christian Dvorak has to be able to get some of those pucks in the net. Oliver ekman Larson needs to be able to create something from the blue line. And so the guys that really typically, as a Coyotes fan, you're looking to, and there's not a lot of them. This is not, you know, this is not a fantastic team. The Arizona Coyotes are a hardworking, gritty team. This is where they find their success. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of you may be new to the Coyotes. Some of you may be new to hockey in general. But I've been watching the Coyotes since I moved to Arizona in 2002. And it has always been their identity to be a gritty, hard-nosed, defensive type, for the most part, team. And you don't just all of a sudden bring a couple of guys onto the team and think that's going to change. It's not. And you're certainly not going to change it, you know, after the, after the regular season and into the postseason. You've got to stick with what works. I do like how, you know, uh, Coach Tocca was able to get these guys to settle down, remind them what is it that makes Coyote hockey successful, and I thought we saw that, but are we going to see a step up of the top four, the top five guys? Stepan had a beautiful opportunity for a, a goal. Uh, he was set up perfectly, and, and he missed the net. Now, look, he I bet he couldn't even bend his wrist by the time that shot came because he had uh, injured his wrist earlier on. So, you know, I'm not going to come down too hard on that. But, but that's a guy, again, that you expect for that to go in. So you've got five guys, minimally five guys, that are supposed to be putting the puck in the net, and they're not. One Phil Kessel goal doesn't do it. Zero uh, from Taylor Hall. So let's hope that the big guns come out shooting tomorrow. Let's hope that we can put the same energy together and put a complete game together. And, uh, okay, I'll come back at you after the game tomorrow. And uh, good luck to the boys. Here we go.